Amen. We are in a study uh, this next couple of weeks of what are we doing here? Why do we assemble? Uh, we put an English word on it, church. The ecclesia is the called out, and it means to assemble. To gather together is to assemble as the body of Christ. And we are one body in Christ Jesus. And we began this last week, and if you'll remember, as we went through, we, we asked a few questions. Why do people go to a gym? And uh, you know the answer to that, to look like that guy. And uh, why do you go to school? To study and to learn and to grow. Why do sports teams practice? To win and to gain ground. Why do families get together? To eat. What else? <laughs> to build relationship, to grow together, right? To, to work out our differences. And uh, we used our text as 1 Corinthians 14, 26. And what we're gathering from that is God has a purpose for us assembling together. There's a reason you're here today. And as we covered this, it wasn't to get brownie points with God. It wasn't to score higher on the, on the grace meter that I did my duty because we recognize that this building does nothing for you. You are the church outside of this building. So you're already the church. You're already doing church as long as you're breathing. You are the church. So why do we assemble together? Well, the Holy Spirit would have us understand even today in our midst what we did it's to worship and glorify God and to come together and know Him and to grow more intimate and to care for each other. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, when you come together, each of you should have a psalm or a hymn, an instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of this must be done so that the church is built up together. And we see the rest of the scriptures I gave you so that the we would sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts, and Christ richly dwelling in us, admonishing one another. Why? To equip the saints, to comfort one another, edify. So the whole sense is to build up and to mature. That's why you're here today. I would pray that every time the church assembles, whether it's 2, 10, 20, 10,000, that something happens within us during that time of assembly that we are eternally changed. I'm not looking for a little change. I'm looking for an eternal change. Because we're meeting with an eternal God, an omniscient God. Right? You think he could... When we go to God, do we ask for so little? He's God! Right? And he wants us to receive everything he has for us. And he wants a dynamic assembly where we understand that dynamically something's happening in our midst. He wants a depth that we go deep with Him. You heard the prophecy this morning that we would look face to face in Him. That, you know, you know, in order for us to understand that we can gaze into the face of a holy God, we have to understand that our sins have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That I can have boldness or confidence to stare into the face of God. It has to do with knowing that He paid the price so that that love is so rich in my heart that I want to see Him. I don't need to go through some other mediator, some other person because God's so holy, but because of the blood of Jesus, He said, now you can gaze into my face. Look at me. Right? He also delivers when you're in His midst that God is changing us and healing us and 
and maturing us. And the first thing we saw is that we're the kingdom of God. The ecclesia or ecclesia are those called out from the world, and that is a political term in Roman times that meant those who declared the will for the community. And that's what we're here doing today. We're calling out the will of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so what's the will of God in heaven? Does anybody know? We're studying it. We're learning it. And as we as a people are learning the will of God, we assemble together and we begin to proclaim the will of God. We begin to make declaration this morning. We prayed for folks in their needs, didn't we? Do you know how far reaching that the ecclesia just made a declaration today? Oh, look at I'm starting to preach last week's message. I got to move on. But I want you to just fathom for a minute as we prayed for folks in their situation, our prayers being manifest in the earth, declaring the will of the Father into the earth right now, were moving and God was sending messengers, angels, ministering spirits sent to minister to the saints. That's what Hebrews 1 tells us angels are for. They were just commissioned by our declaration off into many different states, maybe around the world. I don't know what the issue was that you were praying for. They're moving around the globe right now, ministering. Healing power was released from the throne of God and God was moving in such a way that the kingdom has advanced this morning because the assembly got together. Wow, that's something to think about. All right, so I'm hoping you're getting that. Secondly, we worship. The ministry of worship this morning was so sweet and it had such an anointing on it that we offered a sacrifice of our own hearts upon the altar. I hope when it's a time of worship you begin to pour out your soul and you begin to consider what's being sung and in one accord, one heart. And we went on and we talked about spiritual gifts last week that, you know what, our God is a supernatural God. How many of you know that? You can't be God unless you're supernatural. There's no such thing as a natural God. He wouldn't be God, would he? He'd be of nature. That's not God. He has to be super or above nature because he created everything. Our God's supernatural. So when I go to God, I want something supernatural. How about you? What has happened to the church? We've become so unspiritual. We've become psychology centers, right? We've become places where we're, you know, we fellowship, we greet. Where'd the supernatural go? I'm meeting with the supernatural God. I don't need tea and crumpets. I need more than that. Amen? So we believe in spiritual gifts. We believe that when we are speaking to God, God's going to speak to us through the ministry of spiritual gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 14, we looked at that. We began to see that there needed to be an order for that so that we could hear rightly what God is saying. And that God's not going to bring a lot of confusion. Uh, how many of you need confusion in the middle of a problem? Well, we need clarity. And so God wants to bring a clear word, one decently, one in order. And we looked at spiritual gifts. And that's where we stopped last week. And we're going to pick up from there. Long introduction, sorry, but I get excited about it. All right, we're starting at the word of the Lord. We assemble so that we will understand the word of the Lord. And that we will have the instruction of God. Acts 2.42 said that the church came together for the apostles' doctrine. And so let me remind you of the reason that we're here together is to hear the word of the Lord. Now, how many, how many of you have a, have a Bible? You can pick these up at different stores. 
There are some nations that don't allow you to have them. They're very precious. These, these are amazing books. They have lasted through thousands of years of people trying to burn them, destroy them, crush them, obliterate them. But they've outlasted nations and rulers and enemies. Uh, they're precious books. You ought to get one. If you don't have one of these, see me after the service. I got one for you, okay? All right, and if you have three, don't come because you can get another free one. All right, uh, get a Bible and start reading it, and the Spirit of God is going to start showing things to you and speaking to you. And whenever we assemble, we want to hear the Word of the Lord. I love preaching and teaching. It's what I live for. I live and breathe it. I love it. I could do it 24-7. And uh, so I love to preach because what happens is when I share the Word of God, I don't know how many people are here, 100 people, 150 people, 200. I'm terrible at numbers. I don't know how many people are here. But that's how many sermons are going out right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he tailor makes them and he speaks them into each soul uniquely and differently. That's cool. It's very cool. So it says this, Paul says this in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, right? The Word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing. So everything we need to do in the spirit realm and for the kingdom of God is done by faith. Now faith is that work and effort that begins to kick in where your ability leaves off. And I am encouraged this morning by the Holy Spirit to challenge us as a body to do something in faith this week, to move out in faith. Can I tell you that the norm of most folks, most folks, we try to keep a status quo and keep a level of comfort. I mean, that's what we all try to do because the world's constantly barraging us with difficulties and we're just trying to keep things afloat and steady. But a life of faith is not a life of just staying status quo. It is always challenging our abilities. How many of you know that? And in order for us to be challenged, we need to hear what? The Word of God because it challenges us. So we gather together, we hear a word from the Lord, and he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. And so this morning, as we hear the word of God, I'm challenging you to go beyond what you can do, what you're comfortable with. See, we back away from what we're not comfortable with, and we don't exercise in faith. May I say that for the most part, Churches, I'm speaking all of us and I'll speak about us. We don't do enough by faith. We are not challenging ourselves enough by faith. We're not biting off more than we can chew, to put it in a vernacular. We're not doing beyond what... Uh, we need to do something where everybody says, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> now we're moving in a realm that's not dependent on our talent, our ability, our finance, and so forth. Are, are you with me? How are we going to get excited about the kingdom of God if we keep doing everything and handling it with our hands? We've got to move. And that's why we come together to hear the Word of God. The Word of God pricks us. It corrects us. It teaches us. In fact, uh, let's see. I think Paul said something else to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching Reproof, 
correction and training in righteousness. Okay? Now, you're not going to get training in righteousness by watching Sesame Street. You might learn how to count, and you'll learn the letters of the day. You're certainly not going to get training in righteousness by watching Maury or Oprah or whatever else is on TV. Where are you going to be trained in a right relationship with God? In right standing with God? Where are you going to be trained to walk in righteousness in a world that's full of sin? Self-help books, right? No. The Word of God. And so when we come together, it's essential we have a word from the Lord because it's going to correct us. It's going to reprove us. It's going to comfort. It's going to build us. And how many of you know you need correction? Right? We need training. We need training. We need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? To equip us for works of service and be trained in righteousness for maturity. And so that's why we get the Word of God this morning, so that we're being trained. I hope, it's my prayer, that sometime as we've met together, that you're offended. I really pray that. I pray the Word of God offends you this morning and finds you out. Right? Yeah, because, because what will happen is we need our flesh to be offended because our flesh has kept that status quo, that comfort level, and the Word of God says, I don't think so. I need you to step up. So step up. And that's what the Word of God will do. It's God-breathed. Now I love that. It's a, it's a living and quick two-edged sword, the book of Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 12. It says that it is alive and active. So this morning, as I'm preaching the Word of God, it's alive and active. It's slicing and dicing right now through all of us. Right now the Holy Spirit's reminding you of something that you shouldn't have done or should have done because the training of righteousness through the Word of God that's going on. Amen? And that's why we are actively here. I want to be in a dynamic place where God's Spirit is moving. Amen? And training and teaching. And so we have those who are equipping us for service and growing to the full stature of God. That's why we've come together this morning. To hear the Word of the Lord to correct us, teach us, train us, so that our faith will be activated and put at a new level. I need to stay there for a second because I think there is somebody here, there's some of you here this morning that your faith has not been activated in a while. You've been keeping status quo. You, you, you think that's pretty good and, and, and so forth. Can I, I'll just go here for a second. You know, that's what's wrong with teaching the 10% giving. The New Testament does not teach a 10% tithe. The New Testament teaches faith. And so when we teach 10%, what happens is people reach that 10% and they think they're good. And for the next 30 years of their lives, they've managed their, their, their finances at giving 10%. Now, praise God, that's great. And some of you are saying, oh, we don't have to give 10, I'm giving 4 the New Testament says it's always by faith. You decide in your heart what the Lord has declared. So if our giving's by faith and you gave 10% the last 20 years, what would faith tell you to do next year? Everybody's afraid to say it. No one is daring to say it. And I ain't going to say it. I'm not receiving that word. All right, how about 10.5%? 
Do you see what I'm saying? I'm using that as an illustration. But I would think that by the time we were learning how to handle our finances for the kingdom and we're growing more mature in God, that by maybe 50, 60, 70 years old, we're up into 30% of giving. Got an amen back there. But now I'm on a fixed income. All this. I use that as an illustration. You're all going to leave here and go, you know what the pastor teaches, doesn't he? Our pastor teaches 30% giving. I'm telling you, you give by faith. You give by faith. You give by faith. I use that as an example because, again, much of our witnessing and evangelism has been set in a pattern and a way that you've been evangelizing for the past 10 or 15 years, and that's how you do it. Where's the faith in all of this? Do you see what I'm saying? As a church, uh, we need to change. We have got to change what we're doing. We have got to go to another level. And that's going to take what? Faith. And where does that faith come from? Hearing the Word of God. you got a guy like Gideon who's hiding behind his garage, threshing wheat, to the next minute, God's calling him a man of mighty valor, and he's leading the troops of Israel. How do you make that leap? Faith. Right? And you don't have faith unless you have been in a situation where you had to use it. Now, how many of you have been through trials here? All right, so you know how faith works, and you're still serving God. Amen. Thank God. So we're ready for another move. And so we've got to listen to the Word of God to grow. That's why we're gathered together. Fifthly, the other reason we gather together is so that we pray. Oh, God, we need to pray. We need to pray constantly, regularly, every day, every minute. A prayer life is just a constant exchange with God, walking in the Spirit, always interrupting. Right? Praying continually, continuously, and, and, and speaking to the Lord, praying in the Spirit, praying with understandings. And, and here's our power, and, and it's, it's where everyone must be involved. I'm hoping that as we're speaking the Word of God, and as you're listening to the sermon, and as, as we're worshiping together, there is just nonstop powerful prayer coming and going forward. Right? Right now, that when you're hearing a word from the Lord and you're thinking about someone, immediately you bring a word of prayer to the Lord. I believe in the last days that God is going to turn up the communication between His people. Everybody else has cell phones. We've got spirit phones. And you don't have to worry about how many bars there are. It'll reach anywhere. Can you hear me now? He hears you anywhere. That's what He's saying to us. Hello? Can you hear me now? Right? But I believe that what God wants to do, if we're praying for a change in this community, we need to be ready to activate that change. And what God is going to start doing in the realm of prayer, this is my personal opinion, is He is going to begin downloading, sending you texts of people's names for you to begin praying. I mean spiritually, okay? Some of you are going to be waiting. (laughs) Nothing yet. This has been increasing in my life, and when I'm following through, I'm finding out it's right on time in people's lives. You'll be doing something, and out of the blue, you know, somebody's name comes to your mind. Dave Bing, boom. And you need to begin praying for him. Uh, Someone else's name's coming to you. Is, is, Is this happening in anybody else's life? Can I get a witness to this? Seriously, this is starting to happen? Lift your hands up high. You're getting names. Okay, hello, look. Keep them up. Look, look. Look, this is a thing of the Spirit. It's starting to happen. God is engaging us in prayer. 
And what God is saying, pray for this person. And we need to begin doing that. We need to begin praying blessing on them, praying deliverance on them, praying God, do what you need to do for them. Begin to pray in the Spirit. And, and we, uh, we talked about that. We'll get into that again. But begin to pray by the Holy Spirit and begin to uh, ask God to move on their behalf. And if you can, send them a card or when you see them next time, say, you know what, God had me pray for you this week. And they're going to probably say, when? Do the research because it's fun. And your faith level will go... Because what's happening, they're going, I needed that. And so it's very powerful. I believe. You see, I think God's big enough to make this move us instead of us move God. Because we need that. I know the church has got to wake up, but guess who's got to wake us up? Him. And I think he's going to start doing that. All right? And, and I think we need to collectively begin to recognize what's going on. And... Uh, In Ephesians 6.18, it says this, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Did you notice the words here? Um, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests keeping alert praying for all the saints those are big words all 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 is it a little bit beyond your grasp but not his he could take this room full of people and if we begin to be praying when we are called upon to pray as the spirit just begins to stir we're going to start changing our lives, this church, and this community with all kinds of prayers. Oh, there's different kinds of prayers? Did you know there's different kinds of prayers? There's different kinds of prayers. There's different ways to pray. There's different kinds of requests. I know that you've made some of them. Here's one. Help! There's a request. Another one is... (laughs) That's a good one. I've used that quite often. Another prayer is God bless him right? See, we have got to begin to understand what we carry, the weight of the kingdom of God as the assembly. When you bless someone, it's not a good luck. It carries the weight of the throne of God upon it. I bless everybody. God bless you. God bless you. And when I bless them, I'm expecting something better than Steven Spielberg could drum up. I'm expecting heaven to open. The throne of God is aiming at that person. Angels are firing forth and fire from heaven comes forth and ministers to them. Ah, come on, you're exaggerating. I'd rather believe and trust that something's happening in the spirit realm. What kind of a God do we serve? Really? You know what I'm saying? Let's really grasp the power of prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, 13, I love this. Paul says, I will, so what will we do? I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray with understanding. How many of you have ever found yourself very limited in prayer? Right? I mean, you know, y'all went to school. 
But my vocabulary is pretty minimal when it comes to the needs of God's people. And how many of you have been in a place where you're praying and you're kind of saying the same thing over and over and you pray? You don't know what to pray for. Romans 8, 26 says that when we don't know what to pray for and when we're too weak to pray for, the Spirit begins to intercede and He can pick up where we go. I mean, that happens in praise and worship. How many of you praise God, worship God, and your ability to say He's great, He's awesome, you're out of sight, you're amazing, you're really cool, hallelujah, you run out of words, right? To describe God. What needs to kick into gear? The Spirit. The Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins to manifest and begins to declare who God is and how great He is and how awesome He is. And so what Paul says is we have an intellect to pray with, but we also have a deep well of the Holy Spirit to begin to pray. We need to begin tapping into that and begin to move into that. So prayer is essential. Prayer is necessary. And prayer is great. But a lot of people don't want to pray because there's not immediate answers and there's not an immediate response in many times. But how many of you planted seeds in your garden this spring? Anybody plant? Right? What's happened is we've quit sowing. The church is not sowing. We're not sowing in prayer. And then we're not watering in prayer. And so our crop is yielding very little you getting this every prayer is sowing a seed of purpose into the kingdom of god to pray god help them pray god we need you in this situation bring revelation knowledge bring this it's sowing seed so that there will be a harvest of answers and changes in the climate of our community in the climate of your home We're cutting short the very harvest of what we need. We're not having the supplies according to His riches and glory is because we're not making the request of the supplies. We're not filling out the requisitions. And they're all freely ours. And so God wants to encourage the church to begin moving in the supernatural realm of prayer. And I believe it's coming um, we could develop, look, uh, you know what we could do? We could say, okay, we're going to have prayer meetings here for the next five nights. And guess how many people will show up? Not many. But, see, this is the supernatural power of God. If God says, I'm going to start calling prayer meetings, and he's going to start calling you wherever you're at. And in the next five days, God decides, I'm having a prayer meeting wherever you're at. And all of a sudden, we become attentive to that we're all going to start becoming a praying church. I am telling you, that as, as far as I know and I believe, that we are going to be entering into a prayer revival, and it's going to take place not because we have another meeting, but because God is calling it out of your spirit. And if we would begin to exercise that, begin to move on that, when we gather together, there's going to be such a culture of prayer among us and an attitude of prayer because for the last 24-7 you've been praying. All right? With all kind of prayers, all kind of requests, right? It's not limited. Don't limit this thing. Are you with me on this? Oh, when the assembly of the ecclesia begins to declare the will of God in the earth and plant seeds, there will be a harvest of righteousness and a release of the power of the Holy Spirit.
Amen. Some of you believe me. And I am fully persuaded that eventually you're all going to believe me. Another reason we assemble is for fellowship. The word for fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. And koinonia means a dynamic participation with each other. Now, we're not all going to become best friends. But koinonia is a partnership and a relationship that means you're my brother, you're my sister. And so I am in covenant with you because of my faith in Jesus Christ. There's some of you, you know, I, I can't relate in some of the things you do. You can't relate to me, but we are brother and sister in Christ. We have to learn what koinonia means. We have to understand that when one hurts, we hurt. When we reach out, when we trust, we have to be faithful to each other. We have to be patient with each other. The reason that we have fellowship is because of our faith. And I really think we've been doing this wrong. Uh, I really think that we've been trying to develop friendships. And I'm, please don't get this wrong. Please develop friendships. It's, it's hard, though, because... Now, with everybody having their own cars, you know, the church used to be the, the thing on the corner that the community came to, right? And you saw your neighbors and this and that. Now everybody drives from all over the place here, and then we leave, and we don't see each other till that one time. You can develop friendships, and we want to cultivate friendships. But I'll be honest with you, I'd rather have koinonia. Because you can only have so many friends, realistically. How many of you know that, Right? Let me give you an example. On the back of my door in my bedroom, I have two hooks, and I have about 10 pairs of pants on each hook. Because <laughs> if you hang them up, then you get a crease here, and so I never have to iron. That's my thinking on that. It works. But what I found is after 10, boom, you just, boom, they keep falling. Right? How many friends can you have and maintain? Seriously, right? But koinonia is not about how many deep friends I have. Koinonia is a fellowship of believers. Beyond friendship. Are you getting the nuance of this? And what it means is I am committed to you and you are committed to me because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I can have instant koinonia with someone I've never met with. Yesterday we were down in the inner city and we were there to hand out food and I thank those of you that were there. We had a blast together. We went out into the neighborhood and we began to call people in, come get free food. But there are people there I've never met in that church and I instantly had koinonia with them. I don't know anything about them. We were not pals. We're not friends. We could be, I'm sure. But my koinonia was, you love Jesus, I love Jesus, we're one. And we have got to begin building that because the devil has successfully shattered the church from koinonia. Oh, you're a Methodist? Oh, a Baptist, huh? Oh, well, I speak in tongues. What do you think about that? <laughs> you know, we put these divisions and we've let that split the koinonia of the church of God. And what God has been doing is calling these gatherings together. Last year was an amazing outpouring at each where all of a sudden we've got Baptist pastors, Pentecostal pastors, Methodist pastors, Lutheran pastors coming together and praying and not once did we try to find out where they came from. 
It's when they sent their emails we found out, oh, he's Lutheran? It's awesome. And I believe that's another move of God. We have got to be alert as to what God is doing and, and, and build it and build on it. So koinonia is why we gather together. We need to have a respect for each other, an understanding of each other, and, and a care for each other because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why I'm committed to you and you're committed to me. And we would then build a koinonia together and not give up on each other and not walk away from each other, but stick with each other and hang in there. Amen? Now, uh, I'm going to conclude with this. Last of all, because we're a covenant people. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves. You get that word? Devotion. Devotion is regular, constant, and deep. Regular, constant, and deep. Some of you need to devote yourself to the assembly more often. You really do. Because, why? Because I just went through seven reasons why. <laughs> so your faith will grow. Well, I don't need the church to become mature. Yes, you do. You really do. Whether it's two, three, 10,000, whatever, the assembly, you must assemble. Like I said, it doesn't matter how many, but we must assemble. It doesn't have to be this church. It could be any gathering, any assembly, anywhere, in a house, in a barn, in a building, all right? But we must assemble, we must do it regularly so that we're regularly being built up, understanding koinonia, understanding the move of God, being corrected. When you isolate, you think you're doing all right. We need iron sharpening iron with each other. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that is, the doctrine of the, Lord, the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, to koinonia, or fellowship, building the body of Christ together. God made us so that we would fit together to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the prayer executes the will of God dynamically and makes things change. And the breaking of bread it has been translated both as taking the Eucharist, the, 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 the uh, um, communion, and so forth, or also what it means is that friendship, that fellowship, that feeding and caring one to another in relationship. We need to do this. We need the assembly. We need each other. And, and there's no... The only dictates on that is what Scripture tells us. And so you can meet at different times, different places, different ways. You can run the, the meeting in different dynamics. From country to country, there's different dynamics. There's no right, there's no wrong, there's this, there's that. Some people are more liturgical. Some people are more uh, free or loose. Some people have no leadership and just sit. And, and We don't have to denigrate one another for how we assemble, let's just assemble and commit ourselves to that assembly. So that's why we get together because something deep, dynamic, and delivering is happening. I hope that's happening here. That's my prayer. Amen? Amen. And so what I would ask of you is to stand with me and let's make this declaration in closing.
Could we read this together? Yeah, come on out, guys. Could, could we read this together as the sense of purpose of why we assemble? Now, we assemble here all, gee whiz, Monday through Sunday. I guess that's Sunday to Sunday. Every day of the week. I, I mean, you know, you've got, you, you might be a part of the men's ministry on Monday, a women's ministry on Tuesday, a prayer ministry on Wednesday, church Wednesday night, discipleship institute. There's different things you plug into and want to and don't. But we really want to assemble on Sundays. We really want you here. We really do. Can I encourage you, even with your children, to bring them consistently? Your children are being fed in, the, in their schools and on TV and in the movies by this culture regularly. And if all we do is assemble our children uh, for an hour on a Sunday, wow, that's tough. So it needs to be in the home. All right, I'm done. Let's say this together. I am devoted to study the Word of God. Stay in relationship with fellow believers. Devote myself to the covenant of Christ and develop a continuous prayer life. Let's say it one more time now that we read it, now we can think about it. Ready? I am devoted to study the Word of God. Stay in relationship with fellow believers. Devote myself to the covenant of Christ and develop a continuous prayerful life. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for...